Welcome to Geekish Cast. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Joshua. championship or you know professional wrestling you could think of like if somebody's going to be like i have had this title which one has the most prestige well for me only because that's when i started watching was in the late 80s i'd have to say it was the wwf championship when it was the wwf championship back when hulk hogan had it macho man had it but like i said that's only because that was when i started watching but Probably the most prestigious title to me would have to be actually either the NWA World Championship or the WCW Championship. To me, those have been the the ones around the longest and the ones with the most prestigious and the ones who have actually some of the greatest legends of all times have have held that title. Well, let me ask you this then. Who is the greatest world champion wrestler in all time? Yeah, that's really a good question. Um, Anyone would say Ric Flair for sure because 16-time champion. But to me personally, if I would have seen anyone to beat Ric Flair's record, it should have been Triple H. Um, I wasn't a big Triple H fan back in the beginning, but looking back and and how he is now, it's like the guy could not only do a heel, he could do a face. Was a great wrestler. He could make anybody look good. And and uh, I don't know. To me, he was pound for pound one of the best wrestlers that have come into the industry for a while. So if anyone would have broken Ric Flair's record, I would have think I would have liked to have seen it have been Triple H. Are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> the guy who does a knee drop, a fist drop, gets the gets the pin. That's that, sure. That's that's the most acrobatic or fucking athletic I've ever seen him work. Get the fuck out of town, really? Triple H. Yeah, but you know the thing is, was because he was so good at making like, like for one, in a quick second, everybody would love him. But just as quick as everybody would love him, he could turn around and make the crowd hate him just as quick. And to me, he he almost reminded me of, of a Ric Flair to where he you almost you love to hate the guy. I mean, the guy was so terrible you just you just hated the guy. But he was just, he was just that good at what he did. Well, he was I, that good at dropping an elbow <laughs> or a fist or a knee. You hit really hitting really, the pedigree on, at the end. Of- <laughs> hold on, you really think his mic work was as good as Ric Flair's? No, really? maybe maybe not as good, but yeah, I, I, I don't. Really, his in ring work was as good as Ric Flair's. I, I do think his in ring work was really good. I mean, granted, he didn't have a huge move set, but he had a tendency to make the worst wrestler look like one of the best wrestlers. Well, I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna blame his move set on him because at that point they really wanted they wanted two or three setup moves, a post finish or a pre finisher. A finisher and a post finisher should you need it. Sure. That's and it was very much like a role playing game. It was like, um, you have a vorpal sword <laughs> and a and an eye poke and a figure four and that's all you need, you know. That's all you need to do and yeah. then you're good to go. You know, you yeah. need a setup move that the crowd can see coming and then a knockout move <laughs> and then a backup move should the knockout not work. I'm not gonna blame that on right. it, but man. The- then even again, though, uh, Ric Flair was kind of the same way. You know, he had a knee drop and would sell moves really good and 
then have the figure four and some knife edge chops and oh he had more than that because you got to remember that was back in the day where there were you know the front locks and there that, were chicken that's wing. true right pro wrestling <laughs> used to look a lot more athletic now right. it was slower sure I'll give you that it was slower it was more boring it was a lot more holds um, you know they would take their time they put somebody in like a chicken wing they would sit there for twenty eight <laughs> minutes I'll give you that I mean right. it's definitely much more athletic faster sharper harder now. But they had more holds back then. I mean, go sure. back and go back and look at the title match between Kurt Henning and Nick Bockwinkle for the AWA title. Those fuckers wrestled for an hour. That's now true. they put each other in a lock mm-hmm. and sit there for five minutes. But, but still, they they put yeah. a bunch of different moves right. in. Yeah, I actually could almost say the same for like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels because their big match at the at the, oh, the Iron Man where they had the Iron Man in sixty minutes. You know, even to this day, that was probably one of the greatest matches of all times. Even at that point, it was kind of at a transition from the old school wrestling, where it was somebody in a headlock for five minutes, to where now you see a lot of acrobatic moves and mm-hmm. you know fancy kicks or whatnot. But yeah, to me, that was probably one of the greatest heavyweight championship matches that we've been able to see in our generation. No, I'll give you that. I, I actually think that a finishing hold or the finishing move was one of the worst things that ever happened to pro wrestling. Because then, like, the DDT hits, and for this guy, it's a killer move, and everybody's knocked out. Then nine other people use it, and it just, it's a mid-bump. Yeah. <laughs> it's just your basic, you know, yeah, anybody yeah. can do it, and yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that's true. And, and it's not like they would ever say, like, oh, you get the knockout with the DDT, nobody else can use it. They'd be right. like... Oh, yeah, he, if he hits you with a pile driver, you're fucked. If they hit you with a pile driver, you get up and get a glass of tea and, you know, change your pants and everybody goes back to work. It's almost like you're not as good as hitting the pile driver as this guy is hitting the pile driver. So, yeah, you know, you just got to kind of half sell it and then get up and finish your match. Yeah, you're just kind of irritated. Right, yeah. right. So, um, if you were to if you were to pick a favorite finishing move in pro wrestling, what do you think is it? Wow, you know that, that's really a good question because I mean, uh, it almost depends on what kind of, almost what kind of wrestling fan you're like. You you are. I mean, if you're one of the wrestling fans who likes the big, huge weightlifting guys, you could only do clothesline or whatnot. Then you know you could almost say Hulk Hogan's leg drop was the best move. But then if you're a fan who's an actual, you know, a wrestling fan or whatnot, or you know, have a good move. I mean, even going back to Triple H, Pedigree is probably one of the most I don't want to say innovative movies that I've seen, but I haven't really seen a move like that before. And it seems like it could be pretty devastating, but uh, to me, actually, that's kind of one of the moves. That and the Tombstone Pile Driver are really the two finishing moves that stick out in my mind the most, that are probably the most... Yeah, now... It seem like they would hurt the most, you know? I'm kind of... I'm older than you. So, like, the... Uh, the, the What was Triple H's move? What do they call it? The, the, the pedigree. pedigree. Yeah. You watch Scott Hall and Kurt Henning when they were a tag team. The guy that ended Scott Hall's career back in that day hit him with what would be called the pedigree now as a face-down pile driver. Okay. Same move. But because, you know, obviously it was a small... Well, they didn't have the production value back then, and nobody's really ever seen the match. It was Colonel De Beers dropped Scott Hall on his face, and it was supposed to be this horrible, like, career-ending move. But you got to remember, too, like back when I was younger and watched pro wrestling, you came off the top rope. That was a disqualification. Oh. You couldn't wrestle for three months, <laughs> and your whole career was ended. And, you know, the it was like pile even, driver was that way, too. And when you threw a guy over the top rope, too, back then, you oh, couldn't. Yeah. That was an automatic that disqualification. Yeah. You couldn't throw a guy over the top rope for nothing. Imagine yeah. how boring a match would be now <laughs> if you couldn't like, come off the top rope or do a pile right. driver style move. Right. Or um, 
the old Arn Anderson brain buster. It, it's kind of funny because even still now they, uh, I mean, they haven't really banned a whole lot of moves. I remember back in the late nineties, they banned the jackknife power bomb because, uh, Kevin Nash accidentally dropped, uh, the giant on his neck for, I mean, you know, it could have happened. I mean, it was just a, a mistake. You know, if here's the giant, you know, four or five hundred pound guy, and Kevin Nash is all you got to do is lose your grip, right? Yeah, and sure, after wrestling twenty minutes in a match, you know, it's not like you're going to be at full strength. You're going to be half tired, and I mean, no matter how strong you are, it's not going to be easy to pick up a guy that heavy or that big. And so I can see how moves like that were banned back in the day, but yeah, yeah. So, why do you think these days, pro? I mean, pro wrestling at the late '90s, early 2000s was in its heyday. I mean, that was probably the most, the most. What would you even call that? Height of pro wrestling's popularity. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think happened? You know, I, I think honestly, back then um, there was a lot of wrestlers using maybe not not steroids, but like. Uh, HGH kind of drugs performance or whatnot. Performance drugs. enhancing Exactly. And so that way it'd make them more intense and more into the matches. And then everybody else at that particular time, we were already kind of on a high. You know, we were just coming off the 90s and we are ready to look for something more intense and more, you know, like, yeah, you know, let's let's get into this. And so the, here these guys were taking performance enhancing drugs that were making their matches more intense time. And everybody was just kind of on that, that same boat to where we needed to a stronger fit we needed more than just you know side headlocks and arm drag takes over we arm drag takeovers we needed like gorilla press slams and you know uh luchador wrestlers coming off the top ropes doing out of control stuff well, that I, I would think that was that would be a big part of the 90s as well they started bringing in wrestlers from japan and mexico who right. were lower weight but a lot more dynamic in their movement and their yeah. action and their activity um, do you think the Monday Night Wars is what did it? I mean, that's what really pushed you to its height because, you know, one day, here's a guy working for this company. Fuck, guy shows up next day in the crowd of this other company and he's jumping in the ring and you never knew what was going to happen. It, I mean, do you think that helped push, like, because back then nobody had admitted yet that wrestling was fake. Nobody right. had really said it out right. loud. Yeah, that's true. And that kind of, like, the guy going from one company to the next, do you think that's really what, I mean, did that help that illusion along? Did it damage it? What do you think? You know, I think it did help it along because now you're tuning in every week. It's like, oh, you know, who's going to jump ship this week? Or, you know, is someone going to go from WCW to WWE or WWF? Or someone go from WWF to WCW, you know? So you never really knew what to expect from one week to the next. So, yeah, I honestly think that those Monday Night Wars were probably one of the biggest things and probably the best thing, actually, to happen to professional wrestling in the 90s because it seemed like, you know, in the early 90s, Hulk Hogan was still the big guy. He had a great run. He did it over 10 years, but then, you know, like anything, it's just going to get old. And and then when, when the NWO came out and they had these Monday Night Wars, it was a whole new fresh look on on professional wrestling and it really did change the were you, way were you watching that night that hulk hogan went heel <laughs> were you watching that I, night? I was and i'll never forget that night as long as i live because i remember hulk hogan coming out and, and at first i was thinking oh he's gonna help macho man and like two seconds after i thought he was gonna help macho man i was like no I'm like he's the third guy i was like i know this is this is gonna how it's gonna be and being a Hulk Hogan fan since I was a little kid, at first I wasn't sure how I was going to handle it. But you know, I being a Hulk Hogan fan for that long, I was like, you know what? It was good for him, and I was glad to see him do it because he needed to do, to do the change. And 
And and even still to this day, that's probably one of the best things that ever happened to professional wrestling. Not only just Hulk Hogan turning heel, but the whole NWO thing and, and the it Monday rejuvenated, Night Wars. It rejuvenated his career, I think. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but again, it I think, having, like we were talking about, having got, you didn't know who was going to jump ship and move. Right, right. You And they hadn't admitted yet that wrestling was fake. So right. it... By having this animosity built up and this thing going on where you didn't know who was going to go from this company to the other the next day, it added to the illusion of realness in a manner that in a post-UFC world isn't possible. Right. Do you think MMA fighting has a damaged pro wrestling, do you think? You know, not at all. Because, I mean, MMA has their followers... A wrestling fan or, or, or a WWE fan or TNA fan, they're going to be wrestling fans. I mean, that's just the way it is. If they like TNA or, or I'm, I'm sorry, if they like MMA or the UFC, they're going to like the UFC. If they like WWE or TNA, they're going to like w, uh, they're going to like that. So we're going to wrap up there for tonight, and that's where Josh and I were discussing uh, wrestling in general, history of the title belts, his love for Triple H. Originally this week was all going to be Larry Nemechek discussing Star Trek, but due to the Royal Rumble being won by Triple H and him being the new WWE champion yet again, I thought it'd be fun to go back and plug this in. Come back tomorrow where we will start our interview with Larry Nemechek and play throughout the week. Thank you for joining us at Geekish Cast. Please find us on the web at facebook.com slash geekishcast, geekishcast.com. And on Twitter, you can find us at the Geekish Cast. We're also available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker, and TuneIn. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night.